Merry Christmas and welcome to The Film File, the film show for festive film geeks by festive film geeks. So, a Merry Christmas, dear uh, dear listeners. Thank you for joining us in uh, in the nightmare before Christmas, as it's become over here. Um, you know, I just thought of that gag, and I'm going to stick with it. Uh, welcome, one and all, and of course, welcome to the elf on the shelf himself, Mr. Andy Meakin. Yeah, our, our festive 50th episode. Couldn't have timed it better, really. You know, all, those, um, all that time ago when we were thinking of um, setting this up, uh, I was feeling disgruntled because I wasn't um, wasn't getting to review films that that weren't blockbusters for the uh, for the Beeb, and uh, you were you were toying with the idea of starting it, and it was a, a meeting of minds. I remember having the discussions, and here we are, fifty episodes later. And who would have thought that we could have made it weekly? Because <laughs> it still surprises <laughs> me that we made it weekly. I mean- to be fair, that's probably the one positive thing that came out of the lockdowns. <laughs> it kept us sane, let's be honest. I mean, it it, yeah. it, it set the timetable of things that we had to do. So, uh, yeah. We, we, we see it not just as us doing a podcast, but it's also a chance for us to catch up. Yeah. It's our, it's our weekly catch up. And it's, it's keeping us going through these darkened times. And because we've been more or less forced because of the circumstances into doing it weekly. We've now got into the pattern that if we go like two days over that weekly thing, we feel a bit bad about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was a, a couple of weeks ago, we, 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 because um, we record this on a Monday uh, usually, and um, we try and get it, uh, Andy gets it straight out, gets it straight into the edit uh, and gets it out for the next day most of the time. But we, we missed a couple of days and don't think we recorded it till Thursday. But, you know, at least no yeah. one's hanging on. Uh, we've not had any letters of complaint. We've not had any letters, to be honest, but <laughs> neither have we had letters of complaint saying you've screwed up your, your schedule. But it's been a heck of a year, and we're going to be talking about the heck of a year in a little while. Uh, in today's show, we are going to be uh, talking about some of our Christmas classics. We're going to be talking about the films that we have seen over 2020 against the odds, against the Andromeda strain, to recommend and maybe even critique some of the films that we've seen over the last year. And, uh, of course, we'll be bringing you our neat things and bringing you the news. Uh, but first, before we get into the news, um, so, yeah, here in the UK, we've entered into a, into a brand new tier, very suddenly got dropped us on, on Saturday night, and this is now called the Escape from New York tier, and <laughs> um, uh, of, to which apparently there is no escape, unless you uh, go to St Pancras at, at the middle of the night and get the last train out of London. Oh, seeing some of those images really, really angered me. Oh, I it's know. Basically, it's basically people being told, right, you're in the maximum tier because there's a new strain of the virus going around, which has gone out of control in this area. And everyone goes, let's go spread it. Wait, yeah, I'm going to ignore out. these rules. Yeah, I'll rush. I'll oh. rush around. Don't worry. I'm not, I'm not scared. Did you see there was one journalist who took photos there and started like, but I did a huge load of tweets that have like now gone like on reports and every news report has talked about hers, her experience. And she's basically trying to defend her decision 
for joining all the people going around, despite the fact she realises that she might now catch it because she was on a crowded train. Because um, I'm, I'm the close bubble for my mother who lives 100 miles away. <laughs> I'm sorry, but there's something about cows and faecal matter that come to mind here. It angered me entirely to see that kind of mentality of like, well, I've had to do this, so that's why we're doing it, and I'm trying to justify what I'm doing, whilst also taking photos of everyone else going, these people are disgusting. I'm sorry. Yeah. Hypocrite. Yeah. You're yeah, in the yeah. worst area. You were told that you've got to lock down seriously. Just lock down. We're, we're all in the same boat. We're, we've all had that five days of Christmas removed from us. You know, we all have plans for meeting people, going like seeing people who we haven't seen for ages, but we just have to accept it. Yeah, this because is the, the let's the world. not spread this virus any further than it needs to be spread. Let's protect others, and that's what it's all about. We're protecting others. We're putting ourselves through this misery and hardship this year to protect others. Yeah, I was saying to you just before we started recording that if. if uh, when I was in isolation, if I thought I'd given it to somebody else, I was just gutted. That was the worst bit. Not in some kind of, you know, heroic way, oh, what about me? I was concerned about myself if I'd picked it up. But I was more con- uh, initially concerned about, you know, my family, uh, yeah. people I'd been in contact with. That that scared me. That scared me more than thinking, going to the, uh, oh, my goodness, what if I've got it? What if I've passed it on? And I... I'd, that guilt, I, I just couldn't couldn't handle that guilt. Anyway, this is not what we're, we're not here. To... We're not here to talk about politics, and we're not here to talk about the COVID. Uh, we're here to talk about films and be festive and happy and celebrate this year. And you know what? That's what we should do. And let's look on the bright side. We've got uh, some good films to talk about and celebrate. We are thankfully we've we've got our health, and thankfully we are in a situation where we can put on at least the best Christmas for ourselves, if not to be with our families, then with our friends, our listeners, our our um, immediate family, this is what Christmas is about for me. It's about celebrating with those that you care about in some way, even if it's going to have to be remotely. And the best way we can start with a little trinkets of Christmas presents that we found under our film file tree, and that is a segment we like to call The News. So Andy, not a lot happening this week, news-wise, just bits and pieces, but we do have some um, we do have some news, don't we? Yes, we do. I mean, it tends to slow down at this time of year, news-wise, anyway. Uh, we've had all the major announcements over the last month, but let's start. I mean, I know we don't talk, we're not here to talk about COVID, but over in America, where it's been going out of control and cinemas are being closed and there's been a lot of problems, yesterday the US Senate has signed off a $90 billion relief package across the country to support businesses which includes approximately 15 billion, which will be going towards the support of cinemas and theatre relief that have been forced to close and have been risking bankruptcy during this time. So that's quite a positive thing because there's been the huge worry that, you know, if cinemas across the US end up closing, well, that's the industry. That's the industry's got to cripple yeah. left, right and centre as a result. So this is propping them up. There's still nothing from this country. There's still no support on the the arts except for the basic package that the kind of half-baked announced a few months ago that did nothing. But maybe, maybe this government will see um, we'll see what, what the US is doing and go, maybe we should get on that as well and maybe we should offer some support to the arts and entertainment industry. And the importance of, of what the arts and the entertainment industry do because ultimately we're all going to be uh, locked away in our homes yeah. we're going to have to rely on netflix and tv sure they're covered that's that goes without saying but 
I think what we've all missed, and I've said this, I've said this from the get go, we've missed that other interaction with other people of sat in a cinema or sat in a theatre or being at a gig. You know, it's it's not necessarily a solitary experience. There's nothing like hearing the laughter of yeah. uh, uh, of other people when you're enjoying a comedy, and you know, we find this in press shows when it's just a couple of us and, and we might laugh, but it's nothing as infectious of hearing a laugh in a in a, in a cinema yeah. shared by a hundred or so other people. So yeah, let's hope they see sense. And of course, let's also hope that it'll have a trickle down effect, that money in the States to some of the organizations in this country that are owned by those massive American companies. And, and let's see, hopefully there'll be a, a positive impact. I've got a little bit of news. Um, as you know, I'm a bit of a muso, uh, so I'm really looking forward to Peter Jackson's Beatle documentaries get back. And this week he shared his first footage from that film. Five minutes of footage got released, didn't it? It did indeed. Always been a, a Beatles fan since I, I can remember. And I think for me, it started with the movies. I think it started with with Help and Hard Day's Night because they were... Uh, uh, they used to be Christmas classics, funny enough. So, mm-hmm. um, highly looking forward to this. I enjoyed his, even though I thought it was a, it was hard to watch his his other documentary, "They Shall Not Grow Old." It was it was a tough film, and that looks as though it's coming to cinemas, and also looks to be coming to Disney Plus. So, uh, looking forward to that one. Yeah, I'm a huge Beatles fan myself. Uh, well, I was born in Liverpool, so it's basically from the yeah, day it's in born. your blood, isn't it? It's part of your DNA. I invested to fill all my Beatles vinyl collection when there was the month, like fortnightly collection getting released. I already had a few of them, but I'd never really packed out the whole thing. But now I've got a whole lot on a shelf. Can't wait for this. Um, I, I remember reading about two months ago, Paul McCartney in an interview saying that it, th- this documentary, the footage in it, kind of makes him out to not be the bad guy anymore. And he's, he, he started to retroactively realise that he didn't actually break the Beatles up. Uh, because it's always been law that on the, let, let it be, they were him and Lennon, were at loggerheads completely, and it was him quitting the bands that broke them all up. But apparently this footage has um, highlighted that that's not actually the case, and there's a lot of positivity that was still in there, but they just decided to go in the separate way. So it's going to be an interest, because we all think we know this story. We all think we know the making of Let It Be, but apparently this is telling us that we don't really know the full details. I, for one, can't wait, and that's not due till next year. Andy? So we talked about the cinema industry before and the impact that has been some impact can be seen because wonder woman 84's first figures internationally got released this morning very disappointing from what i hear well it depends on what perspective you're saying that because if you consider that over the past few months i've constantly been saying that cinemas won't be operating at the 100 percent when when things open up again and we'll be happy to get like 30 percent of business so you know what 38 million for an opening weekend on a film when you know the majority of cinemas around the world that it was opened in were closed. I don't think that's too bad. The I've seen a negative report which said that in China, it only did 18 million when the first film did 36 million. So it's done 50% of what the first film did on its opening weekend in this day and age. That's actually quite good. Yeah. Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm glad you're looking at it from the glass uh, half-full approach because... Um... The, the problem is, is all the journalists who are reporting and all the analysts, they're all reporting from an external perspective. They don't work within the industry. They don't understand exactly how much we can survive on. And these figures that we're seeing are the kind of figures that cinemas can survive on. Yes, they won't be as immensely profitable as they used to be, but this is not the death of cinema. This is the restart. This is the reboot of cinema. Well said. And also, we've not taken into consideration the uh, HBO Max figures when those come through. 
and we've not taken into consideration when it gets released to uh, video on demand in the UK, for which I have a date. It's the 13th of January, uh, and I'm guessing... Now, I know there was going to be an exclusivity with Sky. Apparently, that's fallen through, so we can assume that it's going to be Apple's, iTunes, Amazon, and... uh, and we'll see how well yeah. it does there because I, I think I think we're hungry for General it. General video on demand. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't wait to see this film. I, it's it's upsetting to see that all the reviews are saying that this needs to be seen on the big screen in order to fully embrace it. And I would be there like a shot if I could. But unfortunately, our cinemas are closed. If we get the chance, Andy, I would have seen it in the cinema. And if we get the chance and we, we're able to, and, and, and let's maybe, I don't know, maybe this has been a little bit too optimistic, but if we can... I'll knit round to yours and watch it, yeah. and we'll share it. We'll share it. Share the experience. Okay, so uh, Millie Bobby Brown has been cast in a Russo Brothers project, Electric States. Now, Electric States a graphic novel. Oh, is it? I wondered what it by was. By Simon Stallenhag, and it's about a teenage girl who embarks on a cross-country mission with a robot. It's it's perfect Russo Brothers territory, if you ask me. Because they've got into the big producing uh, category, haven't they? And, and we've seen a few of their films appear over the the last year um, they, you know, started the new fr- yeah. franchise with, with Chris Hemsworth, but it's good to see them back directing because this will be the first thing they've directed since Endgame, I believe. Yeah. This is an exciting project, really. I've not read the graphic novel, but now that I'm aware of it, I want to, I want to dig it out and find it. Uh, but Millie Bobby Brown being cast, I mean, she's really, really getting signed up to so many things. She's had moment. a good year, hasn't she? She has. I mean, uh, we, we spoke when we were talking about Enola Holmes of how she's really got her head screwed on and she knows exactly what her career trajectory is going to be. Yeah. And she's plotting it perfectly. And she's signing up for big projects and also sort small side projects at the same time to work with a variety of different directors. And she's got production credits on a lot of things. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's a production company in, in charge of the Enola, uh, Enola Holmes project. So, yeah. Absolutely. Being her year. Marvellous talent. Yeah. And now... You brought this one to my attention, which is uh, the new take of Hamlet. Yeah, so there's a new take of Hamlet. Um, Who saw this coming? Not I. And this one is a bit of a gender switch. So uh, what I mean by that, there will be Hamlet, uh, as we know, has been adapted to the screen tons and tons of times. um, And now this new adaptation is on its way, uh, as I said, with a gender swap. Numi Rapace is is set to play the melancholy Dane in a new film from director Ali Abbasi, who brought us the film Border. Um, Actually, this won't be the first time uh, that there's been a female lead playing Hamlet. Ruth Negger recently played the character in uh, the Gala Theatre Dublin's production, but this is the first time, I believe, it's been done on the big screen. Yeah, I mean, I saw one commenter on Twitter saying that they can't see how it could possibly work gender-swapping such an iconic role. It's like... At the end of the day, they managed to make Hamlet into a lion. <laughs> so why not make it into a female? <laughs> how how you can acknowledge that the Lion King works, yet a, a female Hamlet could There you go. I think you've said I it exactly know. as it needed to be said. And just to round up the news, uh, we did talk about all the Lucasfilm projects and all the Marvel projects. Only last know, week. What a show that was. Well, they left one little one little nugget off to leave us a surprise for this week when they revealed that another Star Wars spin-off is going to happen, The Book of Boba. Oh, I've not heard of this bit of news. This, this is new to me. Uh, yeah, it, it's, this has only been revealed over the past few days uh, that Boba Fett is getting his own solo outing. Wow, wow. okay. Yeah, they kind of hinted that he was coming back within Mandalorian. So, yeah, let's wait and see. Yeah, that's pretty much the end of year news. And that is the news.
If you stayed with us this far, then clearly you're enjoying the show or you're just here for morbid curiosity. Nevertheless, whatever your reasons, please hit that subscribe button and send us a review, especially at this time of year, because it's like it's like the Christmas present we deserve but haven't got yet. So hit that subscribe button and leave us our review and see us next year. And if you want to get in touch with us here at uh, the Film File Towers, you can do so via Twitter, which Andy will now, almost by magic, give you the address. At Film File UK. And another good show last night, Andy, with your uh, movies on Sunday. <laughs> it was a great little Python chat. I've had that one on the back burner for a while to do a Monty Python one. Yeah, I'm disappointed I didn't have much more to say on it. But yes, I got to say, uh, I managed to talk up ripping yarns. It's been fun. And talking of fun, despite everything, there has been some really, really good films out this year. Now, it's it's hard to sort of throw your mind back to the beginning of the year because everything's sort of bundled itself into one big covid mess but there were films that happened in the cinema uh the very the very last film that andy and i saw at the cinema before everything locked down initially is uh is on my list of one of my favorites but we thought we'd give you the opportunity to um, to listen on and listen to some of the films that have made an impact and some that maybe disappointed us over the last year uh in no particular order and did you want to go first i've spoken about them multiple times over the past few weeks but i'm going to bulk all of the small acts series of films into one standout moment. They are all connected. They're all Steve McQueen's series that explores the black experience in the UK during the 70s and 80s. They are all fabulous true stories presented in such a mesmerizing, powerful, impactful, and indeed beautiful way. And with a great use of music to tie into each of the characters that is being represented. If you've not checked out the Small Act series of films, they're still available on BBC iPlayer. And they're also, for everyone else in the world, on Amazon. Fantastic. They are the pinnacle of this year for me. They, I thought that I already had my top film of the year already set aside, but then these came out and they all took the top spot. That's why I'm lumping them together because I can't separate them. They're all as good as each other. Small acts. As I said, right at the beginning of the year, there were some films that you, you've just forgotten that they came out in, in 2020. I had to remind myself that uh, the Harley Quinn Birds of Prey movie came out this year. It seems such a long time ago. But one film that I, I missed down to lock, lockdown, and I was just about to go and see it. It had been out a couple of weeks and didn't get round to it. And much has been made of, of just the, the technical achievement of this film. And that's Sam Mendes' 1917. It's his World War One movie. I forgot that was the shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly my point. I did. I, I caught it on, on uh, VOD because I, I, uh, I was going to go and see it that very, very last week that the, the cinema was open. I, I decided to pick a film to watch on the very last day. And it was 1917. But the cinema's closed at five. And this was due to go out at, I think, 5.15. Uh, and I went to see another film, which I'll talk about shortly. But yeah, 1917 was this year. It was a journey through World War One hell, all done in this apparent one shot, which we know was a lots of camera trickery, and especially if you've seen some of the behind the, the, the scenes of it. It was, it was a, a visceral experience, um, beautifully photographed by the great, um, uh, and completely stands on his own as, as a legend, uh, Roger Deakins' camera work. It, it it was everything that you love about Roger Deakins' work, and it was the fluidity of those transitions, which you never for a moment doubted that, that was this, this one shot. Um, some beautiful performances, George McKay and Dean Charles Chapman putting in excellent and empathetic work into it. 
It was heart stopping. It was um, it was just a beautiful film. And my only disappointment is I didn't see it at the cinema. Lockdown prevented us from seeing a lot of films at the cinema. However, when the world locked down, while some people took up hiking, some took up podcasting, some sat around and binge watched TV shows. A director called Rob Savage and his buddies made a film that took the world by storm when it landed on Shudder earlier this year and that's host host for me is one of the gems that have come out of this year that it it shouldn't have been as good as it was but the fact of how it was made and the time in which it's set makes it so perfect for 2020 host is the horror film with the people in lockdown doing a zoom chat seance and things go wrong and then one by one they start to have some spiritual influence around them in the lockdown location that they're in. It's a cracking film. And it just shows that even with simple technology, you can make such a a vivid horror film. And it's one of the freshest uses of found footage approach that there's been in years. Absolutely marvellous film. Still haven't got a chance to see it. Is it available just on Shudder or can I get it on VOD, do you know? I know it recently got a limited cinema release. I think it's going to be going to proper VOD pretty soon. I remember I'll reading something it about it. It's getting, going to get spanned out. But obviously, because it's a Shudder exclusive, they're getting their money's worth out of this one. Uh, and this is a film that both you and I will absolutely agree on. So uh, we'll, we'll class it on as both a film that, that we loved. And that was rising from the ashes of the uh, much maligned beginnings of the dark universe for Universal, which was a, an attempt to get all the iconic Universal monster movies up and running again. It failed miserably with The Mummy. But out of that came Bloomhouse's The Invisible Man, starred Elizabeth Moss. And this was, this is what you can do with less money and more imagination. And I think you'll agree with it, Andy. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a great tale about someone finding their own identity when leaving an abusive relationship and how the abuser manages to still manipulate them afterwards. Using that with The Invisible Man approach, perfect. Lee Wannell's direction manages to captivate but chill at the same time. It's just such a great film and the the restaurant sequence absolutely catches you and gut punches you. Yeah. It's a brilliant film. What a great take and it's given us some more hope for the Universal Monsters spin-offs that are happening in the future because through this year we've talked about Wolfman we've talked about like the new take on Frankenstein and we're, we're very excited about them because they all seem to be taking this individual modern day variation approach can't wait to see where they go with any of these universal monsters as long as they don't try to do a dark universe again yeah and this just proves that, that small is better and I'm a great believer that good horror movies work by being a tighter budget rather than big, rambling, overly uh, CGI'd uh, events. I know you might get told that small is better quite frequently. I, I do, and I, I'm, I'm, I've, I've doubted it for years. But there was, the thing that worked with this movie, and, and of course the, the easy thing to do with an, an Invisible Man movie, is to have that sense of dread, because is, is your monster there or not? And, and that's what he played up. Warrell did that with with the use of, of, of empty spaces and the emptiness of a side of frame and just a little quick flash of movement that made it a twisty, terrifying horror thriller in, in that made it not just stand out over the year, but made it stand out as one of the great horror movies of, of recent years. 2020, yes, the cinemas have been closed down and a lot of films got pushed to next year. But I've seen some people online saying they have to condense their top 10 list down to a top five because they've not managed to see things this year because the cinema's closed. And this was the year that streaming came into effect. Let's be honest. And over this year on streaming, I've 
seen The Pleasures of the Devil all the time. I've seen Over the Moon. I've seen Rebecca. I've seen The Old Guard, which stood out. There was Eurovision, which was a lot better than what I was expecting. Yeah. Who would have and thought then that? You've got Mank, which is possibly one of the films of the year. And then you've got the film, which I think sums up 2020 perfectly, and that's The Trial of the Chicago 7. Now, we were lucky enough to see this on the big screen where... And uh, um, the argument stands for Mank as well. It deserved to be seen. Yeah. And, and I'm going to, everything you're going to say, I'm going to agree with you from the get go. What a fantastic film and what a captivating film for a genre which is always cla- claustrophobic, which is the courtroom drama. This felt fresh. Uh, you can go back and, and listen to our review where we, we both loved it, but it, it was a, it was a fantastic film, wasn't it? It was, and you know the message that's conveyed in there is very. It's one of the ones that when we reviewed it, we said it's very relevant to the times that we live in. Sadly, because we're seeing the same kind of public demonstrations turning into riots and repercussions as people are getting like criminalised for actually campaigning for what they believe is right. We're seeing that everywhere. Trial of the Chicago 7 is a powerful message to today's society to make, to say, wake up. Uh, streaming also gave us, uh, the, we've already mentioned it briefly in the news, the delightful Enola Holmes. Did you see Enola Holmes? Did I see uh, Enola Holmes? Yes, I did. And I saw it on your recommendation because at first I wasn't convinced, but you talked it up so well uh, that I, I jumped into it feet first and thoroughly enjoyed it. It was, it was bright. It was fun. It was clever. It uh, it worked within the settings of feeling like a Netflix movie. And what I mean by that, it, it didn't matter if I saw that one on the big screen because it, it worked within the confines of your home screen very, very, very well. Uh, and it just proved, as we said earlier, that Millie Bobby Brown is just a star. And, and her parents must be so proud because, you know, they took that chance to take her out to L.A. And, and you know, yeah. she landed on Stranger Things. Uh, and her and Netflix just seem to be the perfect relationship. She will be the the produce of, of, of a, a Netflix society because she's absolutely, absolutely key to a lot of the success that they've had. You know, Stranger Things was a, was a game changer for them. Yeah. Uh, and I can't wait to see her in this role even more so she's matured into a uh, into a fine actor and and it's a really good old-fashioned family romp so aside from all the good films and the things that we've enjoyed i mean i even enjoyed spongebob movie and i enjoyed the sonic movie which was bizarrely when that advertised the other day that it's coming to tv this week i was like what really (laughs) what (laughs) was that only this year yes it was only this year but there were a few duffers now, what film has let you down the most this year? I, I thankfully have not seen many films which have come out of the cinema and and really felt utterly disappointed by. Because you know, once once you get you watch stuff at home, you have a tendency to be slightly more selective. Uh, I thought Rhythm Method was was disappointing. It had the potential to be a really good franchise. It just felt a bit draggy, but it, it and it didn't make enough of an impact really to to walk away from. Uh, and with the, the disappointment was it could have been uh, at last the female bond that everybody's been touting for 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 on oh, for generations. But I think New Mutants. Now it wasn't a bad film. It was far from a bad film, but it just felt like a TV pilot for a series that unfortunately we won't get. The cast were good. It was sparky. I loved the different take on a, on the superhero genre. It just ultimately uh, it. It just didn't ever really kick in. Yeah, there were some some great ideas in it, but it it felt. It felt so light that it felt unnecessary by the end of it. And and this is not Dark Phoenix bad uh, in any stretch of the imag- imagination. I, I, I did enjoy it, but ultimately I felt let down because 
I'd like to see those characters reappear on the screen again, and they won't. But after that, such a long way, it just felt it just felt just far too light. I think when we reviewed it on the show, we both kind of agreed that there was something there, but not for a film. Yeah, there was something there to start off a TV series, and sadly, we will never see it. Yeah. Uh, for me, I mean, I, I've seen some absolute, absolute diabolical trash this year. I'm a sucker for going in to watch something rubbish. I mean, only a couple of weeks ago I was talking about Doolittle. Uh, but the film that was the worst for me this year was The Grudge. Now, I'm a huge Grudge fan. I love <laughs> oh, the I franchise. I love the series. And this film didn't even... It barely scraped half a star when I reviewed it. It's an absolute mess. It's the worst that the franchise has done. And the franchise has done some really bad films. Most disappointing entry into the series. And horror... There's no horror in there. Anyone who feels scared at any point in that film would probably get scared watching Andy Pandy. Uh, just for those of our younger listeners, Andy <laughs> Pandy was not a particularly scary program. I'll just point that out. Go onto YouTube. You can find them all. You'll realize exactly how unscary it is. Um, however, there's another film that I was disappointed with that I know that you weren't. And I'm going to say it just to be controversial. And that's the Bill and Ted movie. Oh, uh, bogus, <laughs> bogus. <laughs> Now, we, we, we discussed this when we did the review of it, but for me, it just didn't hit any new beats and it was just retreading old ground and it just felt a bit lacking. But for you, I know you embraced it because it was exactly what you needed at that point in time. Yeah, for me, it was about getting the band back together. It was about uh, a sense of creativity bringing the world together, which I think is is probably the, the, the message for right now. Is it a fantastic movie? No. Is it good fun? Yes. And did it deliver what I wanted it to deliver? Absolutely. The reason for bringing that up as the very final point was just to stress the point that me and Lee don't always agree. And, we, and, and, yet, we, uh, and we, yet we can still talk to each other and stand in a room without, uh, without fisticuffs. Because that, that's what it's all about. It's about sharing your experience, your own personal experience with each film. And we will never see fully eye to eye on things but we will always love to discuss them and we'll always love to share our opinions with all you guys out there and and talking of which i'm not going to put you on the spot because we didn't discuss this give me give me your three films for the year that out of not what we've discussed Ooh, not not from what we've discussed because i think there's one film that that both you and i saw that we've not mentioned and we ought to i think that i mean borat is a, one of the strong films of the year I didn't think we needed another Borat film, but I think it hit the nail perfectly. The Beastie Boys story, which wasn't really a film, but I'm classing it as one because I watched it as one, was a marvellous journey of the history of the Beastie Boys presented by the remaining Beastie Boys. And then you've got Onward. Onward uh, is a film that I was hoping you were going to mention. Yeah, <laughs> Onward was the last film that we saw before we uh, before we kicked it into touch. And it's just a, it's a beautiful film. It's a beautiful film when it hits the point and you know what it's about. Uh, and I think we both sort of looked at each other and thought, this is great, but it's, it, it's not classic Pixar. And then it turns a corner and yeah. it, becomes, it becomes classic Pixar. Uh, for those who didn't get to see it, and you can see it on VOD, you can see it on the Disney Channel, it, it's, just, it's just beautiful whimsy and it's this and fantastic escapism set in a world where, where magic, magical creatures existed but have, have grown tiresome and forgotten about magic and it's become an everyday a, an everyday world that we recognize as as partly our own the story of two elf brothers ian and barley lightfoot as they embark on a magical quest that to hopefully meet their deceased father for just one day only and as i said when this film suddenly lands in this sort of 
and there are D and D references aplenty all the way through. There is it, it just lands in a big way, and it's cathartic. It's funny, and you know what? I'll be honest. I welled up in it. I thought I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful yeah. little film. Yeah, it's got a lot of heart to it. It did, and I say it was the it was the first film that we reviewed when when lockdown happened. I'm going to have to include Jojo Rabbit because I, I'd forgotten for a minute that again. That was the beginning of the year. And it's been Taiki Waititi's year to a degree. Uh, he's really he's really broken out, not as a director for the work that he's done, for, but but for kind of being the personality and, a, 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 and apparently a, a damn nice guy. I really love Jojo Rabbit. It, 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 it's quirky and it's odd, and it, and it walks a tightrope of, of, of getting it right. You know, talking about the atrocities of World War II from the German point of view could have gone terribly 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 wrong uh, uh and it and it and it's just it's one of those films which is just a, a big breath of fresh air that that it lands in every scene and it, and it and it can make you cry and it can make you laugh out loud it can make you punch the air in in an absolute joy and uh and it is a film that is is about the hard things of life seen through a child's eyes and if you embrace it then it's it, it's, it's just a lovely lovely film and 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 taiki watiti is just a a fantastic director but there's there's one film that um well it won best oscar so it's worth mentioning and that's parasite which you and i saw separately and yeah. this was funny enough the last film i saw on on lockdown day is it a thriller was it a comedy was it a tragedy it was all those things and it was a, an incredibly inter, intertwined story of, of, of hardship that, that went in places that you never thought it was going to go. And for me, I, I, it wasn't necessarily the best film of the year, but it was definitely a film that cannot be ignored because of, of, of what it had to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been a packed year. It's been it has. Well, we've not even mentioned Tenet, to be honest. We've, we've no, got through we've, this without <laughs> mentioning Tenet. We've we've skirted around tennis. We've not mentioned the lighthouse, which finally got released in the UK this year. Uh, Rocks, which was a pleasant surprise. Saint Maud, you know, there's been so many films this year. So anyone who says that 2020 has had no films out because everyone's got everything's been put forward to 2021 and beyond isn't paying attention. Yeah, I totally agree. There have been some fantastic films out there. So as we Trundle on towards Christmas itself, and I'm getting giddy, and I feel like that the uh, the sense of goodwill is is starting to creep into these old bones. It's this time of year that you that you suddenly remember that you have your festive routines when it comes to what you want to watch on the TV, or even in fact go to the cinema. So I know I've got a, I've got a list of films that I always go to more or less every Christmas, and I'm sure you have too. So we thought we would discuss with you some of our festive favourites in a new segment we called Some of Our Festive Favourites. Andy, do you want to go, uh, do you want to kick it things off? Because uh, I'm gonna, I wanted to know what, what they watch in, 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 the, uh, in, in your household when it comes to this time of year. What is, uh, do you have a definitive Christmas movie? I, ha- I have a small amount. I mean, the wife watches loads of Christmas films. She will watch at least one per day over the whole of December. Same with my sister and my brother-in-law. The, the, they're mad about it. They will watch any old rubbish. Uh, whereas I'm very selective and I've only got a handful. However, there's one that I have enjoyed since I was a kid, since I first watched it on TV and I've watched it every year since. And this is the annual tradition of watching It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, well, you can't go wrong there. Frank Capra's all-time classic that bombed at the box office on release 
was heavily criticised by the critics at the time and thought to be an absolute stinker of a film, which is a timeless, timeless film. Uh, the story of George Bailey, who, you know, his life has just took the wrong path all the way through and he decides everyone will be better off without him, throws himself off a bridge, gets saved by an angel who's trying to get his wings and showing what life would be for the town that he lives in if he wasn't alive. And it's basically, it's it's an alternate kind of approach to your classic Dickens Christmas Carol kind of film where someone is showing, you know, you, you see the past, you see the events that have led up to it. So you get the ghost of Christmas past, past approach where Clavence is getting told, here's the history of George Bailey. And you get to see what the world's like without their impact within it and how much one person can impact on everything around them. What makes this film really, really work is the marvellous casting of James Stewart and Donna Reed. It, it, it is it's just beautiful. It, magical. it is magical casting, isn't it? It's one of those where everything works. Donna Reed is effervescent all the way through. Uh, and James Stewart just just shines with being an, an, an every man. He is the guy down he's the street. Got, he's got an affable charm to him. Regardless of what film he's in, he's always got an affable charm. He's got such a presence. And then you've got um, Lionel Barrymore, as Mr. Potter, who plays it menacingly. And what I love about this film is that Mr. Potter doesn't get his comeuppance. No, he doesn't. He, in, as, as in real life, he gets away with it. He will continue yeah. to be uh, the town uh, the, the, the town schemer. But the important thing is, it's not about getting revenge on the people who've wronged you. It's about realising that no matter how bad things have got for you, you have impacted on other people in such a positive way that they will always be there to support you. And, you know, I'm very open about, like, my mental health issues. I'm very open about, like, you know, how I struggle at times. And films like this remind me that no matter how bad things are, all I need to do is ask. All I need to do is talk to someone because someone out there will go, I remember when you helped me out with this. I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. It's a marvellous film. It's emotional. It's powerful. And it reduces me to tears every time that I see it. Uh, I'm with you 100% of what you said. I, I got introduced to this quite late in life. I'd seen a spoof of it. And a friend of mine said, "Have you? Do you know what this is based on?" I went, "No, I, I, I'd not seen it." And this, this, in fact, is still going back, you know, thirty odd years. Uh, and I try to watch it every year, and uh, I love it. I adore it. And and everything that you've said, and, and we've all done it. We've all talked about what would life be like if I wasn't here. And it is those moments, those moments that you 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 touch somebody else's life and you don't realize it. And and that's the the power of this film. Not that the bad guy doesn't get his comeuppance. It's it's who you touch in life and the ripple out effect of that. And and it is it's timeless and it's beautiful and it's witty. It's a little bit slow in places, but I can even overlook that because so much of it is perfect. So much so that this is if I was to be buried with a, with a film in my casket, I would be buried with It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd be digging up you and getting the copy so I could be buried <laughs> with that one as well. <laughs> I've actually got um, a 35mm trailer reel Have you? of this film. Yep, it's sat in my drawer and it's one of the prizes of my collection. If we could only find and... a 35mm projector, we'd be watching it right now. <laughs> Project it onto it's the one, side one, of the one of those, one of those um, little, I've got that and I, I think I've got the first Captain... Yeah, I've got the first Captain America, the first Avenger trailer as well. Uh, two films that are completely contrasting <laughs> in design, but both have an impact on me. So I'm a bit like you, Andy. I, I have my firm favourites as opposed to to anything new. Um, and a firm favourite in our household, and, and because I think it's absolutely spot on, 
and it's a film that that defies expectation for me to actually love it. Uh, and it has become a, a staple favourite. And since I saw it in the cinema, and it's a Muppet Christmas Carol. It's not oh, only a, a, a wonderful Christmas film, but it's one of the best adaptations of, of Dickens because it tells the story of Dickens as it was meant to be. If you remember that dreadful Zemeckis version that came out a few years ago, Ooh, yeah, how wrong they got it and how right uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol is. And there's also... I, I think it was last Christmas. There was a TV adaptation which was very, very, very dark. And it, and it, what it really liked wasn't the fact that it was dark because Dickens, it is a dark story. It's the fact that it didn't have Muppets in it, and and yeah. and that would have made it ten times, a hundred <laughs> times a better film. But it's a film that again has heart about it, and you know, it's all, it's, it's a fairly it's it's been out some good few years, but it, it gets the Dickens story absolutely, uh, absolutely spot on. Even though it's acted by by Muppets, the great Gonzo being Dickens. If any, if anything, the the, the Muppets aspect actually serves the story well. I mean, having Statler and Waldorf as the ghosts, Marley and Marley, absolutely brilliant. They are perfect. Yeah, uh, it, it endures, and and I, I can't miss it every year. Michael Caine is fantastic in it. Completely embodies Scrooge. Yeah. Um, it doesn't it, it doesn't stop itself going into the darker elements of the story. All those are there. Casting is genius. Uh, Kermit is perfect as Bob Cratchit uh, because he's gentle and he's kindly and he's, uh, he's the perfect father for Tiny Tim. It's just absolutely lovely. And uh, I, I can't I can't rate it high enough. It will always be a favourite. And, and this week alone, I have been singing uh, the Paul Williams songs because we watched it last weekend. And it's it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, with regards to singing songs this week, I have had the soundtrack for another Christmas film echoing round my head left, right and centre and I can't stop singing it. And that's a more recent entry to my I'm going to watch this every year approach, Anna and the Apocalypse. Which I've never heard of until until uh, you mentioned it in, uh, in our, our brief meetings about what we put into the show. This is a marvellous British comedy musical from two years ago. And the story sees Anna, played by Ella Hunt, a teenager close to leaving school who's evaluating her place in life from education, her desires to travel, her friends, her family and love. And her life is totally changed overnight when the zombie apocalypse breaks out. And this is set just before Christmas. It makes it a Christmas film. And it, and it is a Christmas film because there's a, there's Christmas festivities going on and the Christmas talent show is part of the focus of it. Uh, she and her best friend fight for survival and to try to get to school, the school where their beloved relations are gathered. And they're fighting their internal demons and external threats in musically comical ways. The cast in this film are marvellous and the song and dance numbers are brilliantly choreographed. The dialogue and indeed lyrics of them are packed with spicy hilarity. Uh, the initial morning of the zombie outbreak sequence is a bloody and hilarious song-fueled moment. This film is one that you need to watch to truly understand what everyone's going on about. I didn't see this when it first came out, but everyone who saw it was like, oh, you need to see this. This is brilliant. You, I like me musicals. I like me zombie films. I'm not really a lover of Christmas films, but when you combine music, zombies and Christmas together, what's not to love? There's also a creepy turn by Paul Kay as the school headmaster. It's, it's a great modern musical and it's very much deserving of a Christmas watch every year because it does have that festive charm and message underneath all the zombie horror. Well, I'm going to have to go with a 1983 classic. And again, introduced this by a friend of mine who said, have you ever seen this? And I went, no, should I? He said, yeah, because the kid in it is, is you. And that's a Christmas story. Uh, directed by Bob Clark. 
based on the stories by uh, Gene Shepard, who, who who narrates it, uh, stars Peter Billingsley as the kid who just wants a BB gun for Christmas. If you've not seen it, it just it's just so charming because there are moments in it when you uh, which you recognize out of your own life, especially growing up in sort of the seventies. This film is set in in the um, in the in in the late fifties, early sixties. Uh, and it's just wonderful. It makes you smile. It makes you laugh all the way through. And it's basically it's a series of vignettes about uh, a kid, Ralphie Parker, uh, reminiscing over this one particular Christmas when he when he's nine years old, uh, and all he wants for Christmas is a Red Rider carbine action, two hundred shot range model air rifle or BB gun as they call it in the states. But everyone warns him, "You'll shoot your eye out, Ralphie." And and it's the build up to Christmas Day, and but it's all the things that you do when you when you're nine years old, that anticipation of Christmas, going to see Santa, and it's uh, going to the department stores to see them decked out, going up to to your toy shop, your favourite toy shop, and and looking in the the Christmas the Christmas display in the window and being excited because it's so magical, and then also things what you start to doubt as you as you start to grow up into being a, into an older child, but you don't say. I absolutely love it, and if you've never seen it, and I and I shown it to some people and they just don't get it, but for me, if you've if you've not seen it, please go. It is an absolute charmer. If you can't find it. Uh, on tv and it's difficult to find on tv you can pick it up on on disc and i'm sure you can find it on vod and that's a christmas story there's others that i could easily throw into the mix i mean you mentioned a christmas story which uh, that's the film that has the tongue sticking to the metal that pole. is the one well one of my favorite christmas movies that i go back to every year has an alternate take on that and that's harold and kumar's very 3d christmas and it's not his tongue that stuck to a pole bizarrely underneath the smut the stoner comedy and the nonsense of this film there's a hugely powerful Christmas message about family and acceptance. And it's, it completely it seems out of place in a Harold and Kumar film, whilst at the same time being perfectly normal for it. If you've not seen the Harold and Kumar very 3D Christmas, ignore the 3D bit. You don't need to see it in 3D. But there are some jokes that um, play on the 3D being old and no one's bothered with anymore. I'm going to chuck in Die Hard. I, I thought you would. <laughs> and I watched it. Uh, over the weekend, uh, trying to find something Christmassy to watch, and I watched Die Hard, and I think it's still fantastic. And you know what? It still feels fresh. And, and you spend half the time now watching it going, I can't believe that Bruce Willis is now 60-odd coming up to 70. Um, yeah. it, is, it, it is a Christmas film. And I'm going to tell you why it's a Christmas film. You said it could happen at Thanksgiving. You wouldn't have a party like that at Thanksgiving. and, and so, <laughs> Because everybody goes home and eats at Thanksgiving in the States. Um, but you do have Christmas parties. And everything is about a family coming together at Christmas. That's what it's really, really about. You know, it's still thrilling. The stunt work is, is exceptional. Uh, the humor in it that you forget about it, the little asides. There's so many throwaway gags in this. For all the all the action, all the set pieces, uh, and all the uh, uh, quotable lines, there's a lot of humour. The two agents both being called Agent Johnson and Agent Johnson, <laughs> things like that. There's so many little surreal bits. It's a it's a fantastic movie, and it is a Christmas movie because it's about family. At the end of the day, I absolutely love it, and it's the film that made um, both Bruce Willis and Alan. Alan Rickman into huge, huge stars. Fantastic. Absolutely love it. So I think that's a, a nice roundup of um, some Christmas traditions of festive films. 
And if you've got anything different and you want to argue with us, simply get in touch with us uh, via our, our Twitter feed. So be- before we go, obviously, we're going to be off the air for a couple of weeks as we celebrate Christmas our own ways. But let's just, I just want to give a quick heads up to some of the things that people can catch on the streaming services over this festive period. Please do. So on BritBox, BritBox have dropped a load of festive specials of classic BBC sitcoms, as well as a few of their audience with shows have landed on the service. Uh, All Creatures Great and Small, Are You Being Saved, Some Mothers Do Have Them, Steptoe and Son, Bergerac, celebrate the season with festive classics on BritBox. Now TV, we mentioned it earlier, Sonic the Hedgehog is on there at the moment. Trolls drops on Christmas Day, that's Trolls 2 the one which went straight to video on demand earlier this year. And for those people who are morbidly curious about this film, Cats drops there on Boxing Day. Wow. Netflix has Ma Rainey's Black Bottom running at the moment, which has Viola Davis and the final performance from Chadwick Boseman. And reports of this film are that it's absolutely stunning. So this is on my list to watch within the next two days. And also Midnight Skies dropped... And Ocean's 8 drops this week, which isn't as bad a film as what people will tell you. And for those who love the TV series of Sabrina, season four, the final season, is arriving just in time for the new year. Whilst over on Amazon, we've got Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, which is an all-time favourite of mine. The Matrix trilogy has also landed recently. Uh, Next week, the three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, one of the highlights of the past few years, lands. After We Collided, which is the surprise hit of this year, goes to Amazon. And Widows... Sticking with my Steve Queen love, what his heist flick drops just in time for the new year. And not forgetting, we will talk about them now because they're, they're almost in my good books again. Soul lands on Disney Plus on Christmas Day. I'm going to quickly mention, because I watched it with the family, and I thought it would be abysmal, having not seen the first one and making some assumptions about it, but Christmas Chronicles 2. Who would have thought? Snake Plissken himself would have been playing uh, Santa Claus, but he does it so well, Kurt Russell, in uh, Christmas Chronicles 2. It's a really good, enjoyable family adventure, uh, directed by Chris Columbus, who brought us Home Alone, which strangely didn't meet either of our list. (laughs) And I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and that's Claws, the animated film that was nominated for Best Animation. Fantastic uh, recent addition to one of those Christmas classics that you will now probably watch every year. It's so beautifully animated. Uh, it's a lovely story. It, it's basically um, uh, Santa Claus Year One, but done in a, in a different way uh, and an absolutely unique way that, uh, that that gives it an awful lot of life. And uh, it's becoming a firm favourite in our household. So before we go, um, we get to our neat things. And and really, our neat things is despite everything that that's... Uh, that's happened this year and and the the dreadful news which is going to affect a lot of people with with uh families going into tier four is to just have a have a good christmas you know what i'm really looking forward to it despite the fact i can't get together with all of my family i'm looking forward that the the family i've got we're going to spend it around a, a christmas table we're going to go that extra mile this year not so much in presents but in 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 working out that the heart of Christmas is about those that you love, and that's what's going to be important this year. And so, my neat thing is just have yourself a merry Christmas. My neat thing is uh, sticking to a similar theme. Let's just look ahead to the new year and just say twenty twenty one is almost here. Things are going to start a slow climb up to being good again, up to being positive again. There's a vaccine circulating out there. Cinemas will reopen next year. These films will arrive. So 2021 is coming. The neat thing is 2020 is coming to an end. Have a good new year, folks. And that's it for the film file for this year. 
Uh, it's been our absolute pleasure, and I couldn't have done it without the guy on the other end of this microphone, Mr. Andy Meakin. It's been a fun year, this, hasn't it? <laughs> it has. We've done really well. We it's have, kept us we safe. We've weathered some storms and worked out how... It's over this year that we've managed to work out an identity for the show, because we were, we were spitballing at the start of the year. Yeah, we found our feet. Once the plug was pulled on cinematic releases, it was like, we need to find something to do. So we did our retroactive lookbacks at old films. And then we cottoned onto the fact that there's, there's a load of other films on streaming. And so we've yeah. really generated this year. And, and all I'm the films really that you've missed. How has yeah. that not just kept us going for full segments every week? <laughs> it's been so, great. Thanks, guys. Have a good Christmas. And if this is their idea of Christmas, I've got to be here for New Year's. <laughs>